Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. A wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And, and there, there was, was evening, and, and there, there was morning, the first day. Thank you, Bob and Shirley Olson, for lighting our first candle of Advent and reading the scripture that goes along with it. We'll talk a little bit more about Advent and what it means for those of you who perhaps have never celebrated uh, Advent or or participated in Advent. I'm Pastor Jeremy. I'm so glad you're with us as we continue our series called String of Light. Kids, I'm so glad that you're with us on this fifth Sunday. If you don't know, we normally have our kids on anytime we have a fifth Sunday of the month. So kids, we're glad that you're here. Great job on your song this morning. Thanks for leading the way for us this morning. Can we give them a round of applause? They did an awesome job. So our new series called String of Light, we, we launched last week. If you didn't uh, get a chance to uh, be with us last week, you can grab the podcast online at c2church.com. We talked about the string of light through all of Scripture and, and how we, I like these, these are so awesome, trying to unravel sometimes the, the meaning of Scripture and how it all fits together. It really is all one story. Sometimes when you read Scripture, you, you look at it and, and it, Maybe it seems tangled a little bit, like I'm not really sure how it all fits, but I trust as we go through the series, and and I trust on on your own as you study scripture and read it for yourself, as the Holy Spirit illuminates your heart, you'll see that it all is one story. There's one string of light, of hope, of redemption that draws it all together, that it really can be unraveled. And it's meant for us to study. It's meant to, to bring us light. And, and uh, through the Holy Spirit, we can understand it. And I just, I just love these lights. My wife actually found these ones for me this week. Hold them. Wait, wait for it. Boom. How awesome is that? All right. My wife takes care of me. She, I like those ones. So today, as we, as we launch in to... Our second installment of the String of Light, we light the first candle of Advent, and uh, it's the, the candle of expectation. It really is, Advent is about a coming, an arrival, and the expectation of someone or, or something. And so we want to study the String of Light, this String of Redemption and Hope that stretches all the way back to the beginning. Bob and Shirley, or as we affectionately call them, Ma and Pa read the scripture for us from Genesis chapter 1. This is really where the string of light begins. As we see God creates light. Before that, we only knew darkness. In Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, void, it was empty. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from darkness, called the 
the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and then there was morning, the first day. This is what the scripture tells us. Ever since the first chapter of Genesis, light has been portrayed as a force that overcomes the darkness. In in heavenly time, darkness comes first. In the beginning, there was nothing. It was darkness. And then God creates the light. Light overcomes triumphantly over darkness, not the other way around. Throughout the Old Testament, hope of evil being destroyed and blessing triumphing over curse is consistently portrayed in terms of the dawning of a new day. There was evening, and then there was morning. There was darkness, and light overcame that darkness. Most of our internal clocks, the way we run, it it starts with the, the rising of the sun. And that is the triumph of the light of day, triumphing, triumphing over the darkness of the night. I find it interesting that in day one, there is light, but there is no sun, moon, or stars. You ever thought that was odd as you read through scripture? We don't find the sun or moon or stars created until day four, yet there was light somehow. If you read in Genesis 1, you go on to verse 14, you'll see that God creates lights in the sky. One to govern the day, one to govern the night. He creates the sun to rule over the day and the uh, the moon to govern over the night, to set our seasons and our clocks by, it writes. And it closes by saying this, and there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. I find that peculiar. How was there light when there was no sun, no moon, no stars? Before this moment, God himself was the light. He was the light of all of creation. Scripture promises this again, that at the end of time, when all of the heavens and earth, the sun and the moon and the stars have faded away, God himself will be our light once again. In our experience, light needs a source, right? We need a sun. We need stars. We need a flashlight. We need a, a phone, right? Come on, everybody has one of these, don't you? Pull it out. Come on. There's a source. There we go. There's a source to our light. And some of you are like, no, we can't do that in church. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. But in this moment, we see that God is the source of light. We find examples of sunless light, if you will, throughout Scripture as it describes the light of God. It talks about His glorious light or simply His glory. He's described as a fire, an all-consuming fire. And of course, fire gives light and we all like fire. <laughs> okay, I, I like fire. But this is the picture that we get of the person and the nature of God. He is light. In a moment, we'll talk a little bit more about John, the apostle who writes the, the gospel of John, and he describes Jesus as the light from the very, is the light from the very beginning. So we light this first Advent candle, and it gives us light. Advent being the anticipation of the arrival of the Messiah, the light, Jesus Christ. And Advent traditionally is, is celebrated the four Sundays prior to Christmas, and then Christmas Eve uh, is sort of the culmination of the Advent season. And you light a candle each week preceding 
Christmas Day, and then Christmas Eve we'll light the, the fifth one. So I hope you'll join us for our Christmas Eve services, 4 and 6 p.m. Uh, Christmas Eve this year is on the 24th, just in case you didn't know that. Helping you out. Go ahead and put it in your phone right now. Advent simply means the coming or the arrival. We can tell in, in our season, the holiday season, we call it, we can tell that the arrival of the holidays are coming because the stores are selling Christmas decorations before Halloween. And then Black Friday comes, and that is like the quintessential Advent moment that announces that the holiday season is upon us. Oh, dear God. Yeah, you, you saw, you saw the, the YouTube videos of people attacking each other to save $15 on a TV, right? There's this expectation of what is to come and the, the anticipation and the preparation. I know for, for many adults, the anticipation of the holidays isn't an exciting anticipation. <laughs> oh, the in-laws are coming. Uh-huh. All of the family is coming. Oh, we have to travel. Oh, the kids are off school for two whole weeks. Oh, my. <laughs> but see, this is where I'm going. If, if, if you take a moment, adults, and think back to when you were a kid and you anticipated that last school bell ringing before the Christmas break. Because when that school bell rung... All the kids raised their hands in glorious triumph and yelled, Freedom! For two weeks. Do you remember that? What it felt like to just anticipate? To be excited for that moment that you would get out of school and and then all of the preparation of getting ready for Christmas. Kids, what do you think of when when you think of Christmas coming? What, What are some of the things that you think of? presents what else do you wait for what else do you are you excited for what is that yell it out presents okay we can establish the presents one what else someone said lights you like putting up the christmas lights what else do you put up or wait wait to do for christmas christmas tree christmas tree this was universal sign for christmas tree i don't know if you knew that what else do you, do you wait in anticipation and excitement for for Christmas? What else? Santa. Ham. Santa. Ham and Santa. What was that? Family. family coming. See, they're excited for their family. That's good. That's good. What else? That's good. I'm excited too, Jaren. Thank you. That's good. I'm excited for your family too. I'm excited that your family's going to your house. No, I love you all. I love you all. What else do you, but what do you, what else do you get ready for Christmas? How, how does your house get ready for Christmas? What's that? One more time. Toys. You get ready for toys. You go in mom's closet and you look at the presents before you're supposed to. I understand you. I got you. But there's this, partic- this, there's this anticipation and this preparation. Adults, maybe we can tap back into that excitement of the anticipation. Not simply for the holidays, but for the true meaning of Christmas. That we anticipate the coming of Jesus. College students, you're kind of right in that middle. You do anticipate the break. Somewhat. It's two weeks that you get to work and get cash, right? 
But I love the energy and the excitement that little kids have. And I think we can tap into that. We can begin to once again anticipate in the true meaning of Christmas, the arrival of Jesus. And that's what the Advent is, the arrival of a notable person or events. And we wait in anticipation, expectation, and preparation for this arrival. Last week, we talked about the goal of Christmas is Easter. Today, I want to talk to you about the promise of Christmas is Easter. The promise of Christmas was Easter. The promise that the Messiah would come. And it's not just his arrival, but the purpose. The Advent candles demonstrate the strong contrast between light and darkness. And in the Bible, Christ is referred to as the light of the world, contrasted with the darkness of sin in our life and in our world. And the Apostle John describes Jesus as the light, the light that was at the beginning You saw that video earlier in in our time of worship through singing. And we talked a little bit about it last week. In John chapter 1, this is the Christmas story according to John the Apostle. And he starts his gospel by saying, in the beginning. He looks back to Genesis in the beginning. And he describes it this way, in the beginning was the Word, which is a name for Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. goes on in verse 9 to say, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He writes about the prophetic anticipation of the Messiah. The string of light that takes us all the way back to the beginning of time. Human history spanned long ages before our prophesied Savior would finally make his appearance. appearance. And with him, God's promise to make all things new through him. As his advent or his coming draws near with each candle that is lit, each candle dispelling the darkness a little bit more. The advent candles... Help us, sort of in a spiritual contemplation and preparation of the great drama of salvation unfolded throughout history that surrounds the birth of the incarnate, God incarnate, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, who comes to redeem the human race. We talked a little bit about this word redeem last week, and I want to unfold it for you a little bit more today. In one context, the word redeem means to cover or to atone for. It signifies a price paid for a life that has become forfeited. If you understand the Bible as God's story, that all of history is His story, then you must understand that the purpose throughout all of His story in history was to redeem for Himself a people that would be His very own. To redeem for Himself a people that would be His very own. All the way back to the beginning. After the creation, in creation day number four, he creates humankind. He gives them instructions that all the world is theirs. They can eat from any tree in the garden, but they must not eat from the one tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet this one loving instruction is disobeyed 
and what we refer to as the fall. Adam and Eve, having sinned, having disobeyed God, experienced something that in their life had not experienced up until this point. They felt guilty. They felt shame, the Bible says. I wonder what that was like. To experience shame and guilt for the very first time. I don't, I don't know if you've ever, if you can recall that moment in your life where maybe you felt shame or guilt. But I can only think on the cosmic level, in the perfection of humanity at that moment, in all of creation, they felt something that they were not prepared for. Shame and guilt, that separation. Once walking intimately with God, their creator, now separated. Relationship broken. Bible says that they realized that they were naked. That's got to be an experience too. I usually know when I'm naked. But Adam and Eve did not know it. And in this moment of guilt and shame, they felt totally exposed, lacking, maybe embarrassed. And so, in their own power, they made their own coverings, made out of fig leaves. I'm not even sure what a fig leaf is, but hopefully it fit. That was funny, okay. The writer William Pounds writes in Christ in the Old Testament, he rightly notes that Adam and Eve tried to cover their guilt and shame from God by their own power. And they chose poor cover-ups. He writes, man-made solutions for sin and guilt never work. Fig leaves of religious works will never cover the guilty sinner and make him right with God. And so we get to Genesis 3.21 where it says the Lord God made garments of animal skins for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. He covered them. God of his own power provided a way for their covering of their guilt and shame. For their good, he covered them. The prophet Isaiah wrote this in in chapter 61. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. Throughout Scripture, garments are symbols of righteousness, either God's all-sufficient righteousness or man's self-made righteousness. Isaiah, in chapter 64 of his book, writes this, For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. The coats of animal skins which the Lord clothed Adam and Eve represent righteousness provided by him, in which they could stand in his holy presence. In that moment, in the third chapter of the book, when everything seems to turn and begin to fall, God at the beginning provides the light of redemption, of atonement. He makes atonement. He covers them. Behind those garments that he made was sacrifice and death. An innocent animal paid that price. It was salvation of grace. Adam and Eve had nothing to do with it. The Lord furnished the skins. 
and it would endure more than their fig leaves. William Pounds would go on to say in his book, the animal would be an innocent substitute. It was the innocent victim. God could not obtain the skins of the substitute without putting it to death and shedding its blood. The Hebrew word for garments or coats of skins signifies a complete covering from head to foot. The same word is used for the highly, high priestly robe which covered the whole body. Adam's leaf covering was only sufficient to cover his loins. God's provision was sufficient to cover his whole body. I go back to what I said last week from the writer uh, R. David Reitmeyer. The central theme of redemption in Scripture is that God has taken the initiative to act compassionately on behalf of those who are powerless to help themselves. Adam and Eve could do nothing of their own accord to cover their guilt and shame. God did it in the beginning with the garments of an animal skin. Later, we would see it throughout the sacrificial system through the Jewish tradition of faith. But it would be perfected in the person of Jesus Christ who is the once and for all sacrifice and covering of atonement for all who would believe. The promise of Christmas is Easter. It's in that moment that Jesus comes in the anticipation of what he and he alone would accomplish It's what we sing about this morning. Dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless standing before the throne. On that great day of judgment, when we stand before God himself, we will be clothed either in our righteous deeds, which will appear before a perfect and holy God as nothing but filthy rags. Or Jesus will dress us. And we who believe in him, who have allowed him to dress us, will stand perfected in his righteousness, not our own. The promise of Christmas is Easter. We get what we don't deserve. Isn't that the great tradition of Christmas? That on that morning as a kid, when you sit down with your family to open those gifts, you're getting gifts that you probably don't deserve. I'm sure there are plenty of gifts I didn't deserve. Mom and dad, don't say amen. (laughs) My parents are with us this morning. No. Now as a parent, my kids get gifts and do they deserve them? I don't know. But as a parent, I don't give the gifts to my kids because they deserve them. I give them because I love them. That's the great tradition of Christmas is this example of self-sacrificial love given to people who haven't earned it or deserve it. They get it no matter what. This is the string of light of redemption and hope that we celebrate at Christmas time in anticipation. We get what we don't deserve and we don't get what we do deserve. We don't get the consequences of our rebellion and our sin, which is death. We get life through Jesus. This is why the first Sunday of Advent, it symbolizes hope in the prophet's candle. It's this moment of expectation as that video portrayed just a few moments ago. God proclaimed later in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he would say this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. He was saying that one day, a male offspring of the woman, Eve, would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. 
putting an end to evil and all that is hostile to God. One day, God would crush the power of evil and death and darkness through the love and light in Jesus. You see, the string of light of all of the gospel, the string of light always leads to the cross. The string of light of redemption isn't that the story throughout the scripture just here and there. It's all one story. It's all his story of redemption that leads to the cross. And that light would overcome the darkness. God provided his own perfect sacrifice through Jesus to cover our sins and provide for us righteousness. How tragic that we go around trusting in inadequate coverings for our own sin when only the perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice and coverings of Jesus will do. The promise of Christmas is Easter. That's the hope for you and for me. And I hope this Christmas season, not just this holiday season, and I, I love to get into the holiday spirit with lights and gifts and all those things that are part of our holiday culture. Let's not miss the anticipation of the Christmas season, Advent, as we anticipate, as we expect and prepare for the coming of Jesus. Not just 2,000 years ago, but soon and very soon he will come again. And on that day that he comes, will you be found prepared and ready, anticipating and expecting with excitement? his coming return. Church, in this moment, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? For some of you, this is your holy moment. You realize that the words of the gospel that ring true in this morning may not have yet been realized in your own heart and life. In just a moment, I'm going to ask those of you who want to place your faith in Jesus, in Christ and in Christ alone, in the work that he accomplished on the cross, we'll say a prayer. And for many of you in the room, this moment has happened to you. You raised a hand, you said a prayer, and I believe that there's power in that moment that you say the prayer, committing your life to Christ and inviting him into your life accepting the free gift of life through his sacrifice that is applied to your sin debt, paid in full. That the action of his coming over 2,000 years ago and his death on the cross reaches forward throughout the ages to this moment where you raise your hand and you say a prayer and something in the spiritual realm occurs Paul the Apostle writes, you become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All the things that should be set right in your life begin to be set right. This is your moment. All across this room, those of you who want to place your faith in Christ, we're not going to point you out. We're going to pray with you. I just ask you to lift your hand up high and then you can put it right back down. If you'd like to do that this morning, would you raise your hand high and put it right back down? 
Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, sweetie. Anybody else? Thank you. Kids, you're so brave to raise your hands. Church, let's stand with all those who raised their hands this morning and let's pray the prayer with them. A prayer of faith to believe that the words that we say become real in this world of flesh, just as Jesus became real in this world of flesh. Let's pray together out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for your gift of life given to me through your shed blood and your death on a cross. Thank you that through, thank you that through rising from the dead, I have new life. I give you my life. I invite you into mine. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If that's the first time you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to step out. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Let's celebrate all those who stepped into new life today. That's, if you raise your hand for the first time, I encourage you to stop by our uh, connection center out here in the foyer. And we've got a little book we'd love to put in your hands. Or let our children's pastor know, kids. Uh, let your parents know. And uh, parents, uh, begin to walk with your children through Scripture. And uh, bring them every week as Pastor Ginger loves to unfold the string of light for them as well. Let me bless you, church, as you go from this place and all of the, the, the holiday things that are going on. Let us not forget the true meaning of Christmas. Father, would you bless your people as we leave this place today that the light of the gospel shines in our heart, that we would be hope to this world that may celebrate a holiday, but they miss Christmas. May we carry with us that hope not simply in our greetings of Merry Christmas, but in our actions of love. May we be light in the darkness. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for all who have already taken a a, a box of love ornament off the tree. Don't forget to bring it back next week or give in the offering or online this week. We look forward to seeing you back at C2. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.